The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Univox Business Phones. Keep your business running from anywhere. We're here to help with custom promotions and solutions tailored to your needs. That's Univox Business Phones. Hey everyone, happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Well, we are broadcasting once again today from our home, as most of us are adhering to the stay home, stay safe request from our governor. Most states in this country have done the same thing. But what about our friends across the lake in Wisconsin? What are they doing today? They're having an election, if you can believe that, for a lot of different reasons. Despite attempts to get it postponed, they are going forward with it today. Why? And why are they forcing people to potentially take a risk with their health just to cast a ballot in that state? Well, a whole lot of things went into that. We'll explain it all and what it means for the rest of us on today's show. My friend Noah Oshinsky of Wisconsin Public Radio will be my guest. And then I've got some thoughts on what the rest of us need to take out of this and do better with as we get ready for November. Stick around for The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey, Craig here. Thanks for checking out the show on this day. I certainly do appreciate it very, very much. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, Wisconsin is holding an election today. Other states in the middle of the COVID-19 outbreak have been postponing their primary elections, but not in Wisconsin. And there's more than just the primary election uh, that's taking place for the Democratic nominee. There's a lot more on the ballot there. In fact, there is a state Supreme Court race, which may be which may be the reason that both sides have fought so hard on this issue and why the Republicans have been so hell-bent on holding this election today. Well, we're going to get a little bit more detail about what's been going on because the last 24 hours there have been nuts. Joining me right now is Noah Oshinsky. He is the news director for Wisconsin Public Radio in Madison. Just so you remember, in case you don't remember, Noah worked with me at WDET in Detroit for many, many years as well before he went off to greener pastures in Wisconsin. Although from a political standpoint, the place is a lot nuttier than Michigan these days. Noah, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with me today. It's good to be here, Craig. Thanks for having me. Well, I guess the first question that that uh, everybody around the country is asking right now is, what the hell is Wisconsin thinking? Um, this is not a, a, a good time to be hosting an election, and certainly not a, a good time to be having a, a situation where you're putting all kinds of people in unnecessary danger, um, given some of the requirements that uh, a lot of states, including Wisconsin, have put in place in terms of, of the coronavirus. So what was... I can't even begin to describe what's been going on there for the last 24 hours. So why don't we start with that? These last 24 hours have been absolutely nuts over there. It really has been, Craig. Uh, For a while, we were going to have an election, and then we weren't going to have an election. uh, And then we found out last night that the election is on. Um, The question as to whether or not we'd have an election and the nature of it has been um, debated uh, uh, intensely uh, for the last several weeks. 
uh, with the governor on one side and the legislature on the other. Uh, and it ended up in the courts and um, we ended up in a place where we are having uh, an election today. Um, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing depends on, on who you ask. Well, exactly. But I mean, if this was just the primary election for the Democratic nominee and, and President Trump on the other side, that'd be one thing. But there's a lot at stake in this election in Wisconsin this time around, which suggests to me, as, as for me, it seems like this is a big part of this. You've got uh, a, a very political Supreme Court in your state. And a very, very important seat is up right now in that in that race. Uh, how much of that is motivating the actions on both sides of this? Well, it, I mean, it's certainly a dynamic. Um, it is a relatively high stakes election for that position. Here in Wisconsin, uh, Supreme Court justices uh, serve for 10 years. And so it's a relatively lengthy term. Uh, and although in Wisconsin, it's officially a nonpartisan election, it's very typical to have you know, one candidate aligned uh, with one party and the other candidate aligned with the other, although it's officially nonpartisan. But for sure, a, a lot of eyes are on that race in particular, uh, given uh, the importance of the Supreme Court here in the state and, you know, the highly visible, you know, rulings that they've made in recent years that have really um, dramatically changed the way the government works uh, and, uh, and the way and the power that unions, for example, have in the state. Those were all questions that were settled by the, the state Supreme Court. Well, and, and I mean, when we took a, take a look at the interest in this election, again, obviously that's one of the races on the ballot, but I believe I saw the number was 1.3 million absentee ballots requested in the state. Uh, I think something only like 43% of those have been returned at this point in time. That doesn't mean there's not going to be a flurry today, but it seems as if there is more interest in this election than we even saw in the 2016 presidential race. I mean, there, there certainly is a lot of interest in it, um, you know, on, on both sides, uh, frankly. Uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see at the end of the day, you know, how many people who requested absentee ballots were actually able to vote uh, with those ballots, whether or not they received them or whether or not they were able to submit them on time. You know, that'll be one of the things that we'll certainly be looking at in the coming days to see, you know, what impact this um, greater than normal um, absentee balloting uh, what effect that's having on, on the clerks around the state and how it'll affect our overall uh, uh, vote tally uh, when it's all said and done. Well, you know, what surprised me uh, in just some of the reading that I was doing uh, this morning on this, and this is really when I started paying a lot of attention to it, though, was just how many hoops people have to jump through to get an absentee ballot in Wisconsin. I mean, in Michigan, we just adopted, of course, no reason absentee across the board. This is our first election cycle in which we've been dealing with that. But in Wisconsin, um, they don't make it that simple. Uh, like I said, you've got 1.3 million applications out there. A number of people sent in their requests three and four weeks ago, still haven't received them at this point in time. What is the hang up there and why is it so difficult? Well, I think, you know, one thing is, you know, the clerks just weren't prepared for the numbers of absentee balloting, absentee ballots that they, you know, that they were, that, that they're faced with. I mean, and, and how, does, uh, how does that happen? I mean, you, know, well, you had to know. Well, you know, I mean, the status of this election has, has been a question mark for weeks uh, since, you know, since the, the coronavirus emerged as a major public health threat. Um, it's, it's been a back and forth, and there's been a lot of question as to how this election was, was going to be run. Um, so, you know, they've got a lot of ballots. We've also got, you know, for, for today at least, one of the challenges a lot of these municipalities are having is they've had poll workers drop out because of health concerns. 
Uh, and so we even have members of the Wisconsin National Guard staffing polling stations because places are having a hard time um, filling, filling that role. And of course, we know, at least in Wisconsin and I'm assuming elsewhere, a lot of the poll workers happen to be in an age group that is particularly susceptible to many of the challenges associated with, with COVID-19. And so we've seen a lot of people drop out. And just as an illustration, Craig, uh, the, the city of Milwaukee, which is the largest city in the state, typically has something like 180 polling places. Today, Craig, they have five. Five. I, I've seen lines that are like a mile long because they're trying to engineer some sort of social distancing there, having people stand six feet apart. Uh, but these lines are around the block. I, I don't know what the weather's like there today. It's raining here. Um, uh, you know, Wisconsin's obviously a pretty big state, so it, it might not be raining everywhere. But Man, this seems to be something that is going to potentially really, really curtail the vote in that state because I'm not sitting in line until midnight, which is what they're predicting in some instances for people who got in line as early as seven o'clock this morning. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say what the, what the impact will be at the end of the day, but it's hard, it's hard to, to say that, like, that this isn't going to depress turnout. Turnout is going to be depressed. There's just no two ways around it. I mean, we are seeing long lines in Milwaukee, um, but but comparatively compared to other um, elections, I, I think we'll see at the end of the day turnout being much lower than than normal. Um, although you know we won't know we won't know really until Monday when uh, the results of the election will be publicly released. Is there? any uh, philosophy out there uh, or thought process as to who depressed turnout is going to aid in this election? Well, I mean, I, th I think the conventional wisdom is that uh, the GOP and the state will benefit from, from lower turnout. Um, I think that's sort of what we have seen in previous elections. Um, the GOP tends to be very organized in Wisconsin. Uh, the party is very effective at getting out the vote even, you know, even for primaries, uh, very effective. Uh, and so, and obviously the vote in Milwaukee is a key voting block for Democrats in the state. And so Democrats rely on heavy turnout in Milwaukee as well as Madison, but also, but, but, um, but Milwaukee in particular, in order to, to, to drive uh, their voters to the polls. And so um, I think, you know, low turnout in this case would probably benefit the GOP and the GOP-aligned um, Supreme Court candidate. Um, my guess is that's what we'll see, and I think that's, that's really the conventional wisdom. I should remind folks, my guest right now is Noah Ovshinsky. He's a former co-worker of mine, of course, but he is now the news director at Wisconsin Public Radio in Madison. Uh, we're talking about the Wisconsin election that is taking place as we speak. Um, Noah, you know, five polling places in Milwaukee, five. Uh, that's, I mean, it seems to me that there's got to be, there's potential at least for some sort of a lawsuit here to invalidate the results of this election. I mean, this is, there could be a good disenfranch disenfranchisement case made here. Is there any discussion about potential legal action uh, that would contest the results here? Uh, not yet. I mean, I can tell you, Craig, this has been a heavily, heavily litigated election already. Uh, with, you know, all levels of the judicial branch at the state level and federal level weighing in. Uh, so it's already been heavily litigated. It's hard to know what will happen tomorrow or the next day. Um, but, you know, as, as in the case a lot these days, both parties, you know, tend to go to the courts for relief. 
Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the coming days, whether or not uh, a lawsuit or two are filed, um, but that will only really be revealed in the next few days. We haven't heard of anything yet, um, but it's possible it'll happen soon. Well, you know, I do want to ask a little bit about the governor there, too. Governor Evers uh, has been sort of wishy-washy as to what he was going to do with this. And I don't want to lay blame at him because for the last few weeks, he's been suggesting that he did not have the power to unilaterally scrub this election and, and reschedule it. Uh, the Republicans agreed with him. He then went ahead and tried to do it anyway yesterday. That got the courts involved. The, the Wisconsin Supreme Court overruled him on that one, suggesting it was a uh, an overreach of his authority. And then the U.S. federal government got involved, the, the federal courts, uh, the Supreme Court ruling that uh, absentee ballots had to be postmarked by today. So even if people had requested them and had been approved, if they hadn't received them yet or haven't gotten them postmarked by today, that vote's not going to count. Um, and and I, I just I see so many problems with this. Uh, have you talked to anybody or seen anybody that said, hey, you know what, I'm just not going to risk my health uh, to go out and take care of my civic duty? Uh, I mean, yeah, we've, you know, we've certainly talked uh, to people uh, like that, um, either voters who have tried to vote absentee or uh, people who simply say they're, they're just not going to vote uh, today because of the health risks associated with it. Um, yeah, I mean, the governor, um, you know, for several weeks has sort of gone back and forth. Um, he, he tried to call the legislature, legislature into session this past weekend. He wanted the legislature to take action to delay the election. And um, in fact, he called the special session and they like literally gaveled it in and like gaveled it out in 30 seconds, uh, wow. lawmakers did. And so it was always, I think, a preference of, of the governor for, for uh, you know, the legislature to take this up and to delay the election. Uh, and, you know, he, he rolled the dice um, and, and tried to do it himself. Uh, and obviously the courts ruled that he, he didn't have the authority. So obviously there's a, a number of people who are going to be watching this. Uh, and I think there's not going to be anybody, Noah, that's going to be necessarily happy with the way that this went down, uh, depending on the results, of course. But what did it look like was going to happen in the uh, in the Democratic primary there uh, in terms of uh, Joe Biden and, and Bernie Sanders? Uh, was Wisconsin going to be a place with, that Bernie was counting on or was Joe Biden looking pretty comfortable there? Um, based on the last poll that we saw, and this is the poll out of uh, Marquette University, which is, um, which is, from my point of view, kind of the gold standard of polls in Wisconsin. Um, they tend to be very accurate. Um, the last poll had Biden up uh, very comfortably, uh, uh, you know, and so I think, you know, it's, it's, it feels so weird. We've been talking so much about the Supreme Court race here in the state, but, but yeah, it's also a, a presidential primary. And, um, but the, the recent polls had Biden up by a, by a fairly comfortable margin um, over Bernie. Um, and we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, you know, Bernie won the primary, if I'm recalling correctly, uh, you know, in, in 2016. Obviously, a lot has changed. Uh, and so, you know, I'll be curious to see what the vote totals look like for them. Um, if nothing else, but to get a sense of beyond just the polls, to get a sense of, of where people's heads are at as far as um, and really how excited they might be for a given candidate. Well, and then let's talk about that Supreme Court race, because, again, the Wisconsin Supreme Court has been uh, one of the few state Supreme Courts that have garnered national attention over the last several years, as you pointed out at the beginning of this interview. What was that one looking like? Was it a little closer than perhaps um, the incumbent might have liked or or was uh, it looking like he might cruise to reelection? 
you know, with the Supreme Court races, because they're statewide races, it's, it's been hard to know. Um, and it's been, um, it, it's, you know, with where the electorate is, uh, it is, it is a situation truly where turnout matters. And so going into today, um, you know, I would, I would not have put money on any one candidate. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's still a question mark as to who might win. Um, but, but, uh, you know, as I said, it's, the Supreme Court here in the state has handed down some very significant rulings that have changed the way the state functions. And, um, and I think, you know, parties, both parties acknowledge that and realize that these, these races matter uh, and, and turnout matters. All right. Well, we will watch and uh, and wait and see what the results are. We'll see what these lines are like in Milwaukee and whether or not people can actually get their voice heard, um, forcing people to make a choice between social distancing and actually exercising their rights. Uh, seems like a weird place to be. But then again, Wisconsin has been in a weird place for about a decade and a half now. Glad to have my friend Noah Ovshinsky from Wisconsin Public Radio joining me on the program. Thanks, Noah. It was good to be here. Thanks, Craig. All right. And please stick around to the Craig Folly Show here on Deadline Detroit. I've got some thoughts on this canary in the coal mine moment here in Wisconsin, what it could mean for us nationally if we don't act now to fix some of these problems. So stay with us. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com membership. Hey, thanks for checking out the show. Now, there are a couple of things that I want to talk about with what's going on in Wisconsin. And Noah was, of course, doing his job as a news director to not put too uh, fine a point on this in regards to the motivations for why Wisconsin is doing what it is doing. The Wisconsin Supreme Court has been one of the most politicized Supreme Courts in the country. You may remember, of course, the big demonstrations that were taking place in Madison years ago as unions were being threatened in that state. Governor Scott Walker had a very contentious relationship with Democrats in the state house there. There have been a lot of partisan games taking place in Madison over the past decade and a half or so that have fundamentally reshaped how that state does things. And what's at stake this time? A Supreme Court seat. Supreme Court seats have become hugely, hugely important to both parties. And anybody that says these are nonpartisan elections is full of it. They are, of course, partisan elections. You're trying to nominate people that are going to rule the way that the party in power wants them to rule or the minority party, if they can get that court, can get some of these things overturned they don't like. This is not a nonpartisan position, even though it is supposed to be. It just isn't anymore. And we're seeing it at the national level as well. Now, one of the things that I'm so troubled by today is watching these people stand in line with their masks on, trying to keep somewhat socially distant, knowing they could be there for hours just to cast their ballot in this election. One, because their county clerk maybe was overwhelmed at the number of requests they got for absentee ballots, or they slow-walked some of these ballots in some instances to not get them in on time, to not get them out there, or the problems they create for people by putting all sorts of onerous rules in place to qualify for an absentee ballot in a state like that. 
Look, Michigan went to no reason absentee this time around, and there was a big fight over that, but it was the right thing to do because it gives people an opportunity to vote, especially in a situation like we're in right now where there is a public health crisis. You don't want people gathering to do something like this today. You want to give them as many opportunities as you can to vote via absentee. Maybe you do vote by mail. You come up with something like they have in Oregon, which has worked really, really well for decades and has increased participation in elections by a huge, huge number. But no, there are always certain people out there that want to make it more difficult for you to exercise your right to vote, whether you're Republican, whether you're Democrat, whatever. President Trump said it himself just about a week and a half ago. Hey, if you have vote by mail, Republicans will never win another election. That's what he said. Now, is he trying to allege that there's some kind of voter fraud? Yeah, of course he's trying to suggest that because you set that up. If you lose the election, you can always say it was rigged in some capacity. Anything to actually admit that maybe you were just a lousy president and a lousy candidate. Of course that's what's going on here. But to suggest that there's voter fraud or voter fraud is going to be more rampant if you have something like vote by mail, that has not been the experience of a place like Oregon. All it's done is increase the number of people who actually participate in the system. And that's exactly what a lot of people out there do not want to see. We see a lot of states taking steps to make it harder to vote. We see a lot of states taking steps to close polling places. We see a lot of states trying to suggest that we need to purge these voter rolls or you have to have an ID. Anything to make it more difficult for people to participate in the process they see as a good thing because they see the writing on the wall. Demographic changes that aren't in their favor. The more people that vote, look what happened in the last election cycle. Turnout was huge. Democrats had huge victories in that election cycle, especially in the House of Representatives. Look at what's happening in some of the governor's races in these states. We're starting to see when the numbers go up, Democrats do better. And so there are going to be people that are doing everything in their power to make sure that that turnout is lower. And the Wisconsin Supreme Court is very, very important because there is a case in front of them right now that would purge hundreds of thousands of people off the voter rolls in that state which would make them have to reapply before the fall election. And a lot of people might not even be aware that they've been purged until they get to the polls, and then they have to file a provisional ballot, which may or may not get counted. Anybody that's telling you that there's a lot of voter fraud out there is lying. They're trying to scare you into thinking that their attempts to restrict voting are the right thing to do to preserve the integrity of our elections. That's baloney. It's to preserve the unnatural advantage that they have when turnout is suppressed, or when people don't participate in the system. Donald Trump said what many of us have known for a long time the other day. If we open up voting to more people, Republicans won't win. He said it. And whether he's implying fraud or not, it's telling. I don't want people voting because I might lose. Anybody that's telling you there's rampant voter fraud is lying to you. There is not. There are very, very few cases of people trying to cast a ballot that did not belong to them. Very, very few. And when there are actual cases of voter fraud, they are most often perpetrated by people like county clerks, people who are directly involved with the election process itself, not individual voters. It's not about a number of dead people voting. It's not about people voting twice and three and four times. That's all designed to scare you. That's all designed to make you think that somebody's trying to cheat the system. Participation matters. Anything that people can do to keep you from going to the polls, they are going to do. Whether it's sending you fake ballots, we've seen that kind of stuff. Fake absentee ballots. Here in Michigan, we saw that. This is not about protecting the integrity of our elections. 
That's not what this is about. This is about everybody exercising their right to vote as U.S. citizens. And I'll tell you what, if I'm an election clerk in one of these places, or if I'm a secretary of state in one of the 50 states in this country, I'm figuring out right now what I need to do to make sure that people have access to voting in advance of the November election, because we may have another outbreak of this. And can you imagine a national election day that is somehow hampered by some sort of restrictions that we might have in place if we have not found a vaccine for this at that point in time? We can't just not have an election. That will not stand. What we should be doing is thinking about ways that people can participate even if they cannot get to the polls. Expanded absentee voting. No reason absentee voting. Vote by mail. These are not avenues for fraud. They're avenues for participation. And anybody that's advocating against them is advocating against you participating in our democracy. Period. People will try all sorts of things to get their way. People will try all sorts of slimy things. And the people who are doing the slimy things are not the people showing up at the polls. They're the people involved in the campaigns. They're the ones that are responsible for any type of voter fraud cases that have been out there in the past few years. Not just some Joe Schmo that tries to vote in a couple of different locations. That's not it. There are so few cases of that. And everybody will put it up there as if there's a potential for fraud if we do this. Well, you know what? we got a few months to figure it out. And if you are so afraid of the results that you're not willing to even consider some of these changes we could put in place to ensure that we get to participate, then you are part of the problem. What are you afraid of? Democracy works best when everybody has a voice. I, for one, am going to be watching what happens here in the state of Michigan. I'm going to be watching what's going on with the various county clerks' absentee ballots. Here in Michigan, we have no reason absentee voting. And we should probably expand that and make sure that everybody knows about it and that we take full advantage of that as we get ready for the fall election. I can only hope that the other 49 states will try to do the same, but if Wisconsin is any indication, it's going to be an ugly year out there. Way to go, Wisconsin. You know, I spent a little portion of my life in that state when I was a kid. I always loved the city of Madison. think it's a wonderful place. Milwaukee is nice, too. But the politics there are just ridiculous. And the fact that there are so many people that busted their butts to make sure that people were putting their health at risk to vote, go vote today should be ashamed of themselves. We'll be watching the results. But this is a warning to every other state. Get your crap together before November. Give people an opportunity to vote that does not endanger their lives. Too many people have risked their lives for the vote in this country in the past. We shouldn't be doing it again. It's a shameful part of our history. We should not be reliving it now. We have a few months to get this right. And anybody that is trying to stop you from having an easy time of voting or trying to make it more difficult for you to vote is doing so for a reason, and they're not reasons that are good for you. All right, that's going to wrap up the show today. Thank you very much for tuning in. I certainly do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you can always send me a note. It's easy to do. The Craig Folly Show at gmail.com is the easiest way to reach me. Uh, you can also find me on all sorts of different social media channels. It's kind of uh, not hard to do. It's a pretty easy thing to do, as a matter of fact. You can find me, leave me notes, tell me what you think. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. In the meantime, have a great day, everybody. We'll talk again. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Univox Business Phones. Keep your business running from anywhere. We're here to help with custom promotions and solutions tailored to your needs. That's Univox Business Phones. 303-529-1000.